What's up, guys? Brett here. And in this episode of Restaurant Misfits, I interview Travis T-Bone Talbot. Travis is an incredible person that's been involved in the food and beverage and hospitality space for years. He has been involved and participated in over 500 resort, hotel, live entertainment, and restaurant projects throughout his career. And in this episode, we discuss all kinds of things from how to design the perfect menu to what things you really need to be thinking about as a restaurant owner when it comes to the menu, right? How big it should be, how small it should be, where you should place certain items and where you should not. Is your food Instagrammable and what that really means and also what are some of the other opportunities that you must be utilizing as a restaurateur in the post-COVID world and what a lot of people are actually doing wrong. Anyway, there is so much great stuff in this episode. Um, I cannot wait for you to listen. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Hi, my name is Brett Linkletter, CEO and co-founder of Dineline, a restaurant growth agency. Right now, you're listening to our podcast, Restaurant Misfits, where we'll discuss all things related to restaurant marketing, management, and everything else in between growing a restaurant business. Scaling a restaurant today takes much more than having grit and hustle. In this age, it's about utilizing the newest technology available, consistently educating yourself on new platforms and trends, and having a deep understanding of how this industry is so rapidly changing. This podcast is dedicated to keeping you up to speed with the latest and greatest through interviewing the biggest and best in the restaurant industry. Additionally, this podcast is also brought to you in collaboration with Total Food Service. For over 30 years, Total Food Service has provided the restaurant and food service industry with exclusive interviews to the latest news on products, trends, associations, and events. You can sign up for a free monthly subscription by visiting TotalFood.com today. And from all the misfits over here, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Brett, and I'm sitting here with Travis Talbot. Travis, how you doing? I'm doing great today. Thanks, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to chat because you bring so many years of experience to the food and beverage space and the hospitality space. And for everyone who doesn't know who you are, can you just give us like a quick intro on yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for the opportunity to join the show. Looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I'm a lifer. You know, I'm sure you've heard that term before is I got into the hospitality game. I think nowadays they call it, uh, I don't want CPS would probably come to my mom's house, but, and back in the day it was called learning. And nowadays I think it's called, you know, child abuse, but I got into the industry. <laughs> yeah. I got into the industry at the age of nine, um, working for my mom, working in a diner, washing dishes, stocking shelves and so forth. And just right away, I knew that I had a passion um, for that and that I was going to make a career out of it. Um, Mm. And then worked my entire career. So I kind of pride myself. The only thing I haven't done in the hospitality industry, the only role that I haven't actually spent some time in or um, invested time into learning is accounting which would have been good when I opened up a few of my own restaurants and nightclubs, that would have been a good asset to have. Yes. But uh, yes, I've worked my way up through the system, started in the kitchens, uh, front of house waitering, bartending underage when I was in high school, bouncing in university, catering. Uh, I've worked in the hotel side, the restaurant side, chains, independence. um, And so gone through the whole gamut. Like like I said, I've owned a few of my own restaurants, a couple wins, a couple epic fails uh a yep. couple of night a couple of nightclubs that were all successful but really poor uh, 
partnerships and that's my, I blame myself for, for that lessons learned. And then yeah. I went, I've worked in corporate where I actually worked my way all the way up to a um, executive VP role in one of the largest casino companies in Canada, overseeing all food, beverage, marketing, entertainment, the whole nine yards. And then about uh, five years ago, I decided to, uh, to go solo and opened up Change Network, which is one of our consulting services, and brought a bunch of really great guys on the team, and we were getting things rolling. And we decided to specialize in ski resorts. And turned out to be a great niche because resorts are going through a bit of a, a tectonic shift here where it used to be all just about skiing. And we call it the Vegas paradigm, where you know, Vegas used to be only about gambling and debauchery. And then eventually they had to include the families and added and there was entertainment. And now it's food, beverage, entertainment, and still yes. a bit of the, the debauchery. But um, so I did corporate, left there, opened up change, and then COVID came and gave us a kick in the teeth. Um, so yep. we had to regroup, take some inventory, and then um, we came out strong, back with change back with another agency that we have, which is Hospitality Arts Group, where we do master planning, we do concepting, we do designs, kind of a one-stop solution. And then at the end of this month, we're proud that we're going to be um, launching a new entity, which is called Echo Peak Eco Intelligence. Um, and we're advisors to the F&B industry and to, once again, mostly resorts uh, on better practices in terms of sustainability and stewardship. So that's kind of that. my career. Yeah. So like I said, a lifer. Oh, I only had, I had one other job in my life. I was a pro cowboy, a, a bull rider and a, a rodeo clown, but it was terrible at it. <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I came back to hospitality. That's awesome. And so you've, I mean, look, you've, you've done so many different things in this industry. Do you have like a, a specific preference or, I mean, and now you said your, your niche now is, is ski resorts, right? Yes. It's, it's focusing there. But of, of all the different concepts you've done, you say you, you, know, you have nightclubs and bars and restaurants. Do you, do you feel like you connect with any specific niche specifically on the food and beverage side? Oh, absolutely. It's the restaurant. It's, it's the independent yeah. restaurant. Absolutely. Yep. The, the amount of creativity, the amount of engagement you get with the operator who's developing a new concept or for coming in to help them refresh or reposition a brand. And then that also allows me when I get to work with the restaurant specifically, it's an end-to-end experience. So it's coming up yeah. with the brand, the narratives. And then it also allows, my brother's also a chef and part of my team, but it also allows my brother and I to really just dive into menus and menu engineering and the science behind menus and the psychology behind it. That's really where we, we get, you know, that's, that's really where we get jazzed up. So if anytime I get a chance to work on a restaurant concept over any other kind of F&B entity, that's definitely what I'll gravitate towards. And that's where I get I jazzed. I love that. Now let's, let's talk about that a little bit because so my, my background is, is, is I'm a, I'm a marketer. Right? I've done about oh, a thousand yeah. brands throughout North America, U S and Canada. And actually the Canadian market for me actually is, is a lot more interesting than the U S market right now. That's interesting. Uh, Cause you because, know, I'm Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I bring it up because here's, here's what's interesting. A lot less Canadians are running ads than Americans on average, right? Yes. At this level. And so if you look at ads, ads are based off uh, a bidding system. If there's more people running ads, the cost goes up, right? Canada, it's still pretty damn cheap. Still, still huge opportunity. I mean, it's like, it's incredible. And I will admit also, I mean, American restaurateurs, they're, they're doing ads at a really terrible way too. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is why we're in business, but, but it's, it's just, it's really interesting to see the opportunities. Um, well, but going back, sorry, sorry go you go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I, I wish that I could get someone like you in front of the clients that I've worked with in Canada. And like I've opened up dozens and dozens of restaurants, um, hotels and stuff across the entire province or across the country, sorry, in every province. And yeah. I would love to bring someone like you in front of a client and say, sit down, listen to this, and he's going to show you how you're going to ROI this and where the ROE return on effort is. And yes. Canadians, Canadians are just not, they're just not digesting it yet. They just haven't caught up. Like for me to yeah. even get someone to claim their Google page or for me to get a client to say, okay, here's how Facebook works. And they're yes. like, ah, yeah, you know, it's probably not going to stick around. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's only been 12 years, 15 years. It's probably going yeah. sideways. But yeah, they just, Canadians just don't. But here's the, here's the odd part though is Canadians won't do marketing they definitely focus on the guest experience. And then I come to a lot of the operations in the U S and they market like savages. Like they just go all out because they get it. They get that that's where their audience lives. And yeah. That's how they connect. But then they, they often, very often miss the guest experience within the four walls. Right. Well, you know, what's funny too, just to look at generalizations between Canadians and Americans and really how you call it, East Coast Americans, because West Coast Americans are very different. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy, like, look at the, you, let's just say you work with a guy in New York, for example, restaurant tour in New York, or anywhere on the East Coast for the matter, maybe other than Miami. Um, the way they operate versus Canadians, Canadians are so much nicer to work with. <laughs> just like, oh my yeah, gosh, incredible. <laughs> so much pleasant, nicer. They're, they're pleasant to work with, but it's hard to get a Canadian restaurant operator to, to you know, to learn new tricks. Whereas yeah. I find when I, I'm fine when I'm traveling throughout the U.S. is, yeah, you get some you get some challenging personalities. And, you know, depending on what big city you're in or what small town or you know, the different nuances and cultures is I yeah. find that the Americans are really open to innovation. They're, they want advice. They want fresh eyes. They want someone to spar with. You know, and even if they're challenging, you know, and I get beat up a fair bit, but I got some good scar tissue. Yeah, but no, even, you're right. even if they're challenging their motivation is we want to do better. We want to perform like crazy. We want to win, right? Where the Canadians are like, if we're just nice and, you know, and we get out there and we do the right thing, everyone yeah. will come, right? So <laughs> if you could combine the two cultures, man, oh man, you'd have yeah, it'd be the best. That, you're right. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. But going back to what you said about this, like, I, I want to hear more about this because you said the psychology of the menu, menu engineering. This is an area where actually, to be honest with you, I personally get asked this all the time and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so what, what maybe you, know? you could, the psychology of menu engineering, how that all works, designing the what, menu, like what yes. works, what doesn't? I mean, I have no idea. Well, <laughs> we've gotten to, we've gotten to the point now where I think we kind of overdo it at times and we overwhelm a few of our clients, but a lot of times you'll see that an operator has a concept in mind and he mm -hmm. knows he wants to take that menu to market. And usually a lot of operators think that their concept is the menu. Right. So, and then it's the one piece of marketing that you know every single person is going to touch and yeah. put their eyes on. Um, so, a lot of times we'll get a menu that is usually created by a chef and it's great. It's got the right flavor profiles. It fits the overall model that they're trying and experience that they're trying to convey to their guests. And then we look at it and like, okay, it's just a, it's just a word salad or they've handed it off to a PR firm and then they've done even more damage to it because they don't necessarily know food. They're just saying, oh, we designed it this way. And we, we know, we call it, we love this word gastric. I'm like, okay, well, that's not gastric. It's a gravy, <laughs> right? So there's a big difference. Um, yes. So there's, there's so much behind the design of the menu in terms of aesthetics, placement, font, 
how people really like you've seen it you go to a restaurant and all of a sudden everyone's pulling out their iphones to turn on the lights to read the menu i'm like okay we got some issues here um and that's and that's affecting the guest experience um how much stuff they try to jam into a menu so i get menus sometimes i'm like oh my god i feel so bad for your back of house like your chef has gone to town and created some amazing items here, but try to execute all these and let me see your inventory and why are you carrying this many products and, and your consumer um, or your guest is going to have what they, you know, the paradox of choice offer too much and they'll go to the most common, lowest common denominator. Yes. So, so we get into all that. So it's the design, the look, the language, and then placement. And now we do what we're calling disruptive menus. And so depending on the operator and how eclectic their concept is and how easygoing their audience is, we'll go in and say, okay, every menu doesn't need to read from left to right, top to bottom. Here's your starters and soups. Here's your salads. Now shift over. Here's your sandwiches. Now here's your entrees. We're coming in and saying, okay, what are you known for? What are you good at? What do you want to be signature items and hooks? What do you yeah. want? Where's your Instagrammable uh, items that everyone's going to want a picture of, right? And we'll just throw the menu together. And I should say throw it together. We'll design a menu and engineer it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that it, it really pushes the concept. It drives the concept home. And then another thing is there's a difference between design, which is more about the aesthetics. What are you holding on to? Like the tactile experience of the menu, what you're putting yep. your eyes on, how you're reading it. And then, then there's engineering. So when we get menus, and it's mostly from when a person's got a little bit of sales history, so it wouldn't be for a brand new launch. But if somebody's got some POS data, hopefully, <laughs> and if somebody's got some, right. yeah, if somebody can share with us their sales mixes, geez, I can get lost for a week and I can be saying, okay, how do we engineer this to make sure the cost of goods is optimized? What items are actually selling? Which ones, are, you know, the old school used to be, what are your lead horses? What are your rock stars? What are your dogs? No one does that anymore. But we take it to the next level. And then the other thing that we like to do is when we've given back all of our suggestions on menu design, when we've done the analytics on the engineering and proposed a few different versions of the menu um, and pricing and so forth, then we also provide them with explanations. Here's the case to defend this. And here's why we're making these suggestions. And here is what we're hoping the stimulus will be and the outcome with the guests. So we thought it through, like, how is the guest, what does the menu feel like to hold on to? Are you going into wow. a high-end high end steakhouse and all of a sudden you get a plastic menu? It's like, come on, right? Or am I getting totally. a menu that's that's covered in mac and cheese from the three days before when the kids slopped all over it? Um, or it's got the classic wine stain on it, but that wasn't by design. It was actually a stain. Um, yeah. So we go through all that because all of those, one of the words that I think is most abused is the word experience. Right. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, it's the Travis Talbot experience. It's the Brett Linklater experience. Like, well, what does that mean? And to us, I think that is what were all the stimuluses? What was that resonated and caused an emotion which created an experience or created a memory? And all of those together is the experience. 100%. Right. right. I'm kind of curious. What do you I, like? Okay. For, well, a couple of things here. You said Instagrammable food items, which is one thing I don't think enough restaurateurs think about. I mean, you know, it's so crazy. Again, we run ads for a lot of, a lot of people. And the hardest thing I can get from our clientele is just like decent Assets. looking photos. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, come on, this is your product. Like, what do you, like, what is this you just gave me? Like, do you actually service the people? Like, oh my God, who would want to take a picture of this? You know? Yeah. And some of these concepts that are giving me this stuff are like, they're doing fairly well, like 300, 400,000 a month sometimes and still doing this kind of stuff. I don't get it right. sometimes. I don't I, get you, it. 
I'm, I'm on the same bench as you. I look at stuff and I'm like, especially when, well, one of the things that drives me nuts is when I do convince the client to go and do some ads and some campaigns or hire a marketing um, person in their team is then all of a sudden they'll go and grab stock photos. And I'm like, mm. man, I'm like, what are you doing? And also, yeah. so if you're selling Ferraris, man, you'd be taking a picture of that Ferrari from every single angle. You'd have that thing polished oh, yeah. every single day. You would be showing that your pride in that thing. I don't get it where in restaurants, if your revenue source is your food and beverage, how come you're not painting those canvases properly? <laughs> yeah, how, come I don't get it. how come you're not making that as attractive? You know, and there's the old cliche of food porn, food and beverage porn, but totally. You talk about TikTok and you talk about Instagram and even Facebook now, like, you know, depending on what demographic we're, we're talking about, that stuff matters, right? Oh, like yeah. How, how a burger looks matters. You know, like look at the QSR chains. They've been doing it for eons is they go and hire the food stylist. And, and, and that's one of the things we'll do, too, is if we'll go in and say, OK, let me see how you're plating that. I'm like, there's no way you're getting fifty five dollars for that plate the way it looks. So we'll play with the plate and how we paint the canvas and so forth. Um, but I'm also a big fan of like. Listen, even if we have to pay for it out of our own pocket, we're bringing a photographer in here. So, yeah, you know, and we're going to do this correct. The right lighting. So not everything is an above the plate, you know, <laughs> six inches off. Yeah. Or food salads yeah, food crack me up. It's like their, their job is they, they come in with these like tweezers and they're, they're positioning lettuce on the burger and the pickles. It's just so interesting. They paint. You know, it's like, it's so interesting well, Brent, to watch. That, that's me. <laughs> so I'll do that and then have the photographer. Oh, you do that photos. too? Yeah, my brother and Damn. I, will, we will go toe to toe and we have another uh, chef on our team. So well, good for you guys. I, I, it's oh, incredible. No, I, like I, we were, we worked, we worked with a couple. We don't do as much the content side anymore. We used to do a lot of that. But like, I was always like, Hi, good luck with that. And then 10 minutes later, oh shit, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah no, we, we do We do a lot of that. And we'll go into a restaurant if we know that we're going to be helping that client with their optics and some of their branding and stuff, or they're about to launch, which is the most important time to have those kinds of visuals is you'll see us in the Home Depot trying to find paint colors that match the paint that is put on the walls. And we'll yes. try to find the same floor tiling. Because sometimes we won't put food on the plate. We'll put it on a slate. We'll put it on a wood board. Whatever matches the decor, because we're selling yeah. the whole the overall ambiance, right? Too. No, so, it's true. Yeah, but yeah. Question, so, question for you on the on the topic of menus again. What do you think about the, the these QR code menus? Like, you're not a fan? No, I am a. Well, you know what? I'm a, it's about two minds. It's, it has a place for sure. I love it in the food halls. I love it in the food yeah. courts. You know, when you're a, when I travel 200 days a year, so if I can QR, if I can go to a kiosk, all that stuff, dynamite. Yeah. Um, and if I could pay through that same system, even better, frictionless, right? But got then it. I think that a lot of operators got lazy. And I think that uh, Josh was mentioning this in your guys' conversation. Not lazy as a bad thing, but they look at it as, oh, this is a much simpler way of doing things. Yeah. I, if, I, if I see a QR co a code in a, as, as a menu in an upscale restaurant or a premium restaurant or a fine dining, whatever the language you want to use is, I'm like, it dilutes the experience, I think, right? So yeah. I, I get it. I, I think it's, a, it's dependent on the environment, but uh, I think that it doesn't apply everywhere. I personally, I hate them. I <laughs> <laughs> Even like in an airport or, you know, you're well, walking into a Shake Shack or something. I, like, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, if, if I'm in the airport, like put it on the wall, like, right. That's fine. The kiosk, yeah. Yeah. The, or the kiosk. Like, but if, if like, if I'm in a restaurant, I'm sitting on the table, like, just give me a menu. Like, Jesus. I know but, printing is so easy these days, and I agree with you. But it's just 
depends on the environment because I've seen it like yeah. in the food halls. I think the food hall, I was just one in yesterday in Boston, a new food hall, and it was perfect. I could just walk by every single um, kiosk or every single outlet and go click, 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 and just go through their menus rather than yeah. standing there frozen and with the guys yelling at me, can I help you? Can I help you? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you have. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see, so. In that situation, you're right. Well, there is there is actually one benefit, though, that, that I, I cannot ignore which a lot of people do not take advantage of. And this is kind of a free tip for anyone listening that like you should be doing this, even the QR code menu. So many people drive that trash. So you, you obviously, you scan the QR code. It takes you to a web page, and that web page will show you the menu, right? Yes. Um, easiest trick you could do ever is you put a, a pixel on that website, a Facebook pixel, a TikTok pixel, right. and you can Google tag. You can get someone to land on that page now that's a visitor, you can remarket across these platforms for pennies. You're preaching to the choir, but that's, that's for so many operators, they think that that's so laborious and they're so still digitally behind the setup. times. I know, I agree. Or it's crazy. I, I know of venues where they have a market social media manager and they're willing to do those things and they've got another third party that's managing their website. So there's no effort to the operator or the GM or at all. But it just gets looked over. But it's the same way that I can't get people to claim their Google pages. I can't get them to go yeah. and fill, out, fill out their bios on Open Table. Like and give all like all Open Table tells you, hey, if you fill all this out, here's how much more your odds of increasing your business are. And I, it's just a, a constant yeah. challenge. Well, you're saying getting people to do like the Google My Business, like just claim their location, they won't do it. No, no, or they don't have their <laughs> bio right. Or, or if you look at, actually, here's one thing I do like about QR codes, and it's exactly what for, uh, for what you said is. Yeah, I think that everyone knows that they're driving them to the web page. And so at least they're on top of updating their menus. Right. So hopefully I'm going to say majority of the times the menu's current, whereas back in the yeah. day, I can, I, can go to op- I can go to open table and I'll go into the restaurant with a girlfriend. And all of a sudden she's like, this isn't, is this the same place? Right. Because the menu doesn't reflect what was on, you know, their, their marketing pieces. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. What a question for you, because like <clears throat> there's. A, a lot of people ask me quite a bit about like website design and uh, how they can best display their menu on their website. Do you have any recommendations for that? Uh, I like it where you can, especially if it's, it's gotta be, the website has to be responsive, right? And it has to yeah. be adaptive and mobile. Um, so, but other than that, I think you have to offer options. So I love it when I can just scroll it, when it takes me to a page in a new tab. So I don't lose if I'm on my laptop or something. Um, yeah. I just like to scroll down the page. It should be there as a page, but then mm-hmm. it should be somewhere on that, on that website where you can also download it as a PDF. Right. Cause I know lots you of want people. That. Yeah, I think so. I think you want to be able to, for, especially if you're an event planner, if you're a coordinator, if you're in charge of putting the group together for an outing, you know, a lot of people yeah. need that PDF to forward on and so forth. Right. And you know, my dad still prints shit. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. He'll, he'll he'll walk into the restaurant with the menu in his hand, circle. He's like, "Here's what I want." Um, oh my god, <laughs> he's a bit of a redneck. So because uh, like it's, it's I so I've been looking into this quite a bit, and we have just started helping our clientele with with website development and stuff too. Uh, and I've looked into a few different companies doing some things, but like one company I found which which is they've grown pretty big is Pop Menu, right? Pop, yep, yeah. And I I do not want to say anything bad about anyone ever, but I've heard three clients in the last couple last month alone that were very frustrated with whatever went down. I looked into it deeper. Do you know much about what pop menu is doing? Cause I, it's intriguing what they offer, right? Like a menu on the site that's clickable and this and that. Yeah. I've but, had a few cl- clients where I've walked into their venue and they're using that or bento box. And then there's a few yeah. other ones. 
I'm finding that that restaurant website um, management, the social media, where they try to integrate the social media into it as well, and they're yes. going to manage it all for you, is I think that's as messy as it now the food delivery apps are, right? Yes. Every, Everyone's coming. Yeah. Everyone's coming into the space. Every kid that can write code is saying, I've got the new platform for you. I'm still the old school where I'm like, listen, hire a web designer, have, make sure that he understands food and beverage, talk to the guy, pay him properly, talk to him and feed him with content constantly. And you will see the benefits, right? See, I just, yeah, I, I literally, and I, again, I'm not trying to say they're bad or they're great or whatever. I honestly don't know enough to make any of those judgment calls. But that what you just told me is kind of what I felt. It's like, I feel like they're trying to do so much with the menu and innovate in such a way. And it's like driving people crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's just too much. Simplicity and, works best when it comes yes. to getting information to people, right? And the other thing is that those, I find that a lot of those, um, op- those platforms, they require full-time babysitting. Like they need to be, they need a full-time handler, right? Yeah. And most operators, once again, if they can't put together a Facebook campaign, if they're not going to yes. start a TikTok, uh, get on TikTok where everybody lives now, and yeah. they, um, they won't do those things. I don't, it doesn't matter what platform they're using. It's exactly. just not going to be effective, right? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just, it's, it's like, it's knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're bad at, right? And, and I think- well, and, what you sh- and what you should be good at is being an operator, being a restaurant exactly. Exactly. Being a chef, you know, so your, your, your job is the four walls experience, then go hire the pros, hire a marketing team, bring on a social media man. I, I don't even know how you can't have a social media manager anymore. <laughs> right? Like, oh, usually, I usually I walk into, into projects. I'm like, who's your social media manager? Because either A, it's awesome or it's like, it's ass, right? Yeah. And usually the ones that are awesome, it's usually a, a general manager who has a passion for it and gets it. And usually when it's asked, it's like, oh, well, we assign that to the lowest ranking manager on our team who hates it, right? So I'm like, yes. third, third party, man, third party. Right? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing too. Like, you know, and this is kind of part of our, our pitch, but like if you were to hire a true pro- professional to do all the things you need to do to be successful in social media and Google and all these other platforms, it's first of all, you need to run ads. You need to be good at it. Yep. You, need to, you also need to see and have the technology to track that those ads actually led to someone walking through your doors, which a lot of people don't have. And then on top of that, you need graphic design. You need uh, maybe yes. a, a video editing team. Uh, who's going to follow up on customer service when all these messages come through, right? The CRM. How do, you, how, do you, how do you convert, right? Yes. And then you know what's crazy to me too, which is something that we learned a little over a year ago, and then we started investing some time and attention into it. Restaurants are terrible picking up the phones. <laughs> terrible. Doesn't happen. Anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't actually. It doesn't happen. I was, I was listening to a, sur- a survey that was done by um, one of the third-party delivery companies because they provide you at least a lot of metrics because they own your customers more than you own them. Yeah. Is that they were saying the number one uh, re- when they did a survey, the number one item that people said that what was important to them in terms of the food ordering app wasn't the time or how many restaurants were on the platform or something. Others like, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> right. So yes. every, everybody wants to do it through their phone, click here, click here, click here, which is fine. But then to our point that we we're having a discussion about is somebody hasn't most operators don't have that set up that way. So yeah. you have to call the restaurant. They probably got the wrong number or no number on their bios and their social pages. <laughs> yes. Somebody figures out, you know, through the internet sleuthing, they're going to get a hold of uh, the restaurant and then nobody answers the phone. 
right? It's true. I've, I've gone into so many restaurants where I walk into their office and I'm like, I look at their answering machine, literally some of these places and it's beeping red or I'll say, Hey, what's the login to your answering uh, your, your voice box. And there's two, 300 missed reservations, 200, yeah. 200 missed opportunities. So uh, yeah, I think that that's still something you have to do. You have to pick up the phone. If, I, I literally <laughs> tell our clients all the time. It's like, if you honestly just picked up your phone, like twice as much as you are now, which is already terrible, you're missing half your calls. You yeah. would create so much more revenue in your business. It'd be stupid. Well, I talk and about so, hurting, hurting your brand and making people dislike you. Never mind yeah. the lost opportunity and making them work to have to come eat at your restaurant and give you their money. It's they're angry, right? Never yeah. mind angry. They're angry. So yeah. And that, yeah. So I believe that most of our restaurant operators are restaurateurs. They're not marketers. And so I always say to them, yeah. go, you know, go hire the pros. And the nice thing about hiring a pro and a third party is like you said earlier, they can give you the data. They can look at all the social media, find out what times a day, like, you know, all the yeah. insights, all the metrics and all the data and all the insights and the analytics are amazing. Yeah. Right. Like in terms of, I, I've had arguments with operators. I'm like, you don't even know who your audience is. Like yeah, you, th- you, th- you think you, you think you're serving all dudes with AMX black cards, uh, you know, and all your business is coming through, I don't know, through your awesome, not awesome website. When in reality, it's 19 to 25 year olds are, are finding you through Instagram. Yeah. Right? And they're like, how, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, sometimes when, when we're on sales calls, like I, I literally will just like uh, this guy last week, the guy restaurants kind of struggling. He's only doing like 70,000 a month, this guy. And uh, he bought the business a little over a year ago, was making 70000 a month, hired some social media team, I don't know, some third party, someone, spending three to 4000 a month. Business is still at seventy grand. Been a year of doing this. I'm like, dude, like, wake up. It's not working. So, hey, yeah. maybe, you, maybe you don't work with us or, or anyone, but stop paying for whatever this is. It's not working. <laughs> like, wake up, dude. And I, and I, I'll echo that. We work with so many operators where they do have third parties. And I'm like, can I see what they've been presenting in terms of their weekly, monthly, whatever, quarterly reports? And yep. I'm like, have you guys read these? Like, they're still got the, the paper clip on them. They've still got the mm. original envelope. And I'm like, there's there's information in here that's driving your business <laughs> yeah. or hurting your business. But then the other challenge is a lot of them. And I think that really good um, third party marketing teams, the good ones are the ones that not only will get the data show the uptick in metrics, show the conversions, but I will also explain it in everyday language because I've yeah. got, and we've got so many clients that you start talking digital and, and you lose them. Like they're, they're intimidated by that conversation. Of course. So if you can, if you can be the marketer that actually does the in- interpreting and yeah. then, and also provides some action points, like, okay, here's the analytics. Here's yep. how we've justified why, you know, you want to keep hiring us. Here's the explanation and here's the next course of action. Here's what you need to do and what we're going to do. Right. And I don't see that anywhere where there's <laughs> yeah. a good conversation and then there's the interpretation and then there's the call to call to action. Right. You're right. You're right. I know it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, that's one thing we, we always make sure. Do you, do you get it? Do you understand what we're doing here? I want to make sure you get it. Not just for getting results, but I want you to see it and understand the results, obviously. Yes. Right. Um, you mentioned TikTok a few times. What, what are your thoughts on TikTok? Do you think restaurants should be on TikTok right now? Absolutely. You're missing the yeah. absolute digital bus if you're not on TikTok. Um, you know, you can you can do a, a picture of your chef cutting broccoli for or doing doing his mise or setting up his line or whatever. Put that yeah. on there, and you know, if you know how to put the music on it and the right filters, or at least hopefully you're on brand. But yeah. um, you're crazy, Dobson. Let's say 
they're like, oh, well, I don't think I'll get millions. I'm like, you don't know. You might. But yeah. what if you only got 500? 500 people saw your chef, saw the back of your kitchen line, knows that you exist. How can yeah. you not do that? And I think that TikTok and Instagram are tools that uh, the staff will participate and contribute to. Right. Yeah. They all they, they know, they're all savvy with those platforms, not only in using them to view stuff and to network, but they're savvy in how, hey, here's the best way to put this up. And hey, your TikTok sure. is too long or that should be that should be a reel in Instagram or that should be a story. Like, are you on TikTok personally? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I use Why it. Not? I, mean, I use it as an incredible source of information. So I use it for creativity. I'm learning it for, you know, to learn about marketing. I'm learning about all this other stuff. But um, I don't know. I, I, all my social media needs a refresh. But I've been, the last three years, especially with um, the pivots we had to do with the pandemic, it just yeah. got pushed down. because we, we didn't have anything to talk about. We didn't have any yeah. stories. We, didn't, we, you know, we weren't traveling. We weren't in the ski resorts. We weren't in restaurants creating menus. So we just got lazy. But and now we're yeah, about but, to. But what about just talking about all this shit that we're talking about today? Just no, you know, a couple you, of videos. You are right. And you nailed it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm a donkey for having an opinion on it and not utilizing. And, and, and I should be. So, yeah. But we're actually that's funny, though, is we're now looking now that, you know, um, business is coming back. We're starting to onboard clients again. We've redone all of our marketing with these three or four different entities that we're launching. And the next very next thing that we're doing is we have a marketing manager and a business development who does all of our CRM because that's so important yeah. to us. But now we're like, hey, listen, we need a full-time social person, right? For so sure. we have, like you were saying earlier, we do have a creative company out of LA that we use on uh, piecework, right? When nice. now we're doing, like, for instance, we're doing explainer videos now. We're doing all those nice. kind of um, mediums to help communicate. Because we'll send out a 25-page deck that they've asked for, like, let's say for an RFP. Yeah. They're not going to read it, but I can send them a three-minute or two-minute explainer video. And they're like, oh, I got exactly what you do. Yeah, come on in. Right? Oh, yeah. So no, we, I mean, we, we are... That's, that's, clutch yeah. that's huge. I literally, I can't explain just how important that is to do videos, especially for what, like what you're doing too. And I mean, that's why we do it too, right? It's like the, the whole 20 page deck, this and that. No, yeah. No one goes through it. No, no one has the time for it. Nobody wants that. Nobody has the attention span for that either. You know what we do, honestly? So my, my funnel for our company is literally, it's, it's a video of me online talking about something they're interested. They click to another video me talking about something, yep. which takes them to a thank you page with another video of me explaining what's going to go on. And then finally, we sent another video before that next call. Just you really got to take people baby steps through this process. And short TikTok uh, sized videos, right? I Well, these ones, the first one's like the ad is like a minute. The yeah, We call the right. VSLs about five minutes. But yeah, TikTok. I mean, man, I started posting TikToks like probably late 2020 because you know the pandemic i was like oh, what am i doing yeah. everyone's home <laughs> like everyone else started experimenting with it it's really easy to grow too yeah no I, really we're easy. all over it but i'm gonna we're gonna hire someone to do it and then no, actually one of the things when they proposed to us the services are like you're gonna have to fly into vancouver and we're gonna have to sit down with you for three days and we're gonna shoot a bunch of green screen videos and we're gonna put it all like so we're gonna be doing it to help, to nice. help push our stuff forward but, but even you can, but one of the things we do too because go you can just take your phone Sorry. Start talking. Like, no, literally, I, know that's it. How, I know how it works. <laughs> you, just, know, you don't need that. I'm an ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know what? The other tools we're using nowadays is um, we're using a lot of AI, 
right? So we, of course, we've got Grammarly, we've got Hemingway, we've got those tools oh, to make yeah. sure the stuff we're putting out is polished and on point. And then we're using um, um, stuff like uh, Article Forge to go out and do research and be able to cite proper, you know, links and stuff. To, and then when, even nice. with our PowerPoints, because everyone, whenever we send someone a PowerPoint, I always see them trying to do it in the boardroom where they're trying to figure it out on their phone. So now yes. we, we use a platform called Beautiful.ai where you can insert a dynamic content. So, and it goes oh. to their phone and it's adaptive. And for us as the people generating that content in terms of proposals or refer, um, or even when we're talking about master planning or restaurant concepting, when we're breaking it all down, this AI tool, it's, uh, it tells you what you can and can't do. Oh, you can't use that many words. This picture is too big or it's too Whoa. not sized. Or, yeah, it's dynamite. So when we're sending out content now to clients, we are getting them everything. We're getting them video. We're giving we're giving them as many mediums as possible. Interesting. So so that we're giving it to them and making it easy for them. They can digest it in, in, in any which way they want. Right. Interesting. Uh, what do you think? Okay, so it's 2022, halfway already through the year. God damn, it's going by real quick. Oh yeah. Uh, um, what do you think are some of the big opportunities right now in the restaurant space? I think number one, well, here's what I worry about it. I call it restaurant recidivism. We know where everyone thinks the COVID's over and they just, now they're going back to what they did pre-COVID when the, 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 the marketplace has changed. The consumer behaviors have changed. Yes. The appetites have changed. So like you're talking about TikTok, like I was at a conference the other day and we were um, getting up and giving our speech and I was talking about websites and then about four people put up their hand and they're about 22, 23. They're like, what's a website? And they were being smart asses, like going, dude, like you're, you're dating yourself. Like we don't go to websites. We go to TikTok, oh, we go to God. Instagram, and then we go and find the links to your website, but we're not Google searching. Right. So I think yeah, they're the looking at the TikToks. Wait, are they looking yeah. at TikToks first? Do you know what? Or we Instagram. We find that guys look at TikToks first because they want to see about what's happening in the place and the ambiance and whether they're wow. they got good sense of humor or they're foodies or hardcore foodies. We've been told, and from the analytics and reports we've got, women go to Instagram first because they want to see the decor, they want to see the um, the overall vibe of the place, and they want to see what kind of clientele is in there and how they should be addressing to feel comfortable. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. So, but regardless, both those platforms was with the information that we've been kind of um, receiving is people are using social first to see what the experience is in the food and beverage to look at the menu. And then they're going to click to find out more about the restaurant. Like, um, you know, so it's, it's the, 100%. it's the, where it all starts is on social. And, to, you know, like we talked about earlier, if you're using any social platform, or it doesn't matter if, you know, we think one is right or wrong, but whatever they're using, they got to dig into the analytics and the insights and I tell them who they're, I can say all the time, you give me your menu sales mix and give me access to the back end, you know, your, your password into your social media. I'll tell you who your audience is without even stepping a foot into your restaurant. A hundred percent. But see, this is why I think the whole like pot menu idea is just like, Kind of it's, too it's too complicated. <laughs> it's and, like, as, and as my brother says, it's too cute. You know, like, you know, if you want to, <laughs> yeah. if you want to be cute, if you want to be cheeky, which sometimes none of that you should be doing because it's not your brand. Yeah. Um, but do that on social media. If you want to be an entertainer, yes. entertain and engage and inform on social, but your website should be your, you know, it's your white paper, so to speak. It is your core. Yeah. yeah. But that's, so. I, that's really, I, it's, it's interesting because I think I, I think about other industries and like I mean I, I go to websites still, <laughs> right? But 
I think above all, the restaurant space is is got to be one of the top industries where social probably makes actually more sense to check it out. You know what? It's crazy. I think that social now, and if you're in the hospitality industry, which really is also the entertainment business, of course. is, wow, we're in our age. Now there's all these tools and all these platforms, and they're so user-friendly, and they're so data-rich with what they can provide to you. Like This this is the time in hospitality and entertainment and restaurants where social media is like, we've been waiting for this in my opinion. Yes. Yes. You know, like in the nineties when we were out going and like fly, I just dated myself there. You know, we had to go out and hand out flyers or I remember being told to stand out front yes. of the restaurant and Hey, excuse me, sir. Are you interested in like just totally <laughs> yeah. demeaning garbage? And then just all of it was flat. There was no dynamics to it. There really was no conversation. And then, you know, I remember just, yellow page talks and billboard discussions and radio buys. But people um, still do that. I One of my uh, sales reps spoke to a guy today who says his strategy is he's got a guy with a sign flipping it outside. <laughs> First of all, I feel bad for that kid. Second of all, that guy's out of touch. Right? And here's the other thing, too. Is <laughs> I do believe you need to buy ads. I do believe in third party, like you said. You need someone for creative. You need someone for video content. You need someone to tell you how to market your, oper- um, yeah. your platform. But it's free for the most part, man. Right? It's free. It just takes a little bit of effort. And I see people yeah. going and doing radio buys now. I'm like, who do you know in your audience is listening to radio right now? I don't right? get it. It's just like it's like comfortable for them, so they do it. So, okay, so you said opportunities. Okay, consumer behavior has changed. How do you think it has changed, though? Like, what are the biggest changes that that you think people aren't recognizing yet, I guess? Not well, I think that one of the good things, I call it the COVID catalyst. And so, obviously, it was a shit experience. It was a terrible couple of years. It just destroyed a lot of people's businesses and lives. But it also brought, in my um, opinion, a bit of a reset to the industry. So mm-hmm. there was just too many concepts. There was too much proliferation and explosion of restaurant because like, there's no barrier to entry to get into the restaurant business. There's no barrier entry to get into the hotel business. If you got the capital and you pass a background check for your liquor license, you're in, you're in the game. It's harder to get open up a dry cleaning business with all the regulations and stuff that they have to do. So I found that it kind of you know, called the herd a little bit. So bad operators, unfortunately, didn't make it. The guys that were just exploding with, we're going to have another restaurant across the street from the restaurant we've already got, and we're going to dominate the market. And it was just too saturated. So I think it's it's, it's, um, reset it. I think for the savvy operators, it's made them realize how important their guests are again in terms of got to stay connected, got to create loyalty programs. We got to think about CRM. We got to have good social. So we're telling a good story so that our, you know, our, our followers become ambassadors. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I think was important that's changed is streamlining menus. Like, dude, I don't need to go in and sit down and have 75 pictures of, a, you know, 125, like the cheesecake cafe kind of model. Right. I yeah. think savvy operators said, listen, we're going to do less and we're going to do it better. Um, the other thing is that the lowest common denominator price wars is gone. Right. People yeah. are willing you know, the guest is willing to pay if you can execute on quality and if you can execute on your service and you can execute on your concept, what you told them that they were going to expect when they checked you out online and they yeah. came in and, and said, oh, this is exactly what we expected. Um, so, so I think COVID was a bit of a stimulus or a catalyst. And those are trends I'm seeing that I hope stick around. And I yeah. think that um, and my favorite one is the consumers are willing to pay more. Yeah. Like, I always tell my clients that like, it's so weird. Like literally 
some of my clients, it's like they get so nervous at the idea of charging more. Like, I, I can't, I just can't do that to my customers. I'm like, dude, everyone recognizes food costs have gone up, inflation, yes. raise your damn prices. Well, and also they were too low before. Like they were just, yes. everybody was, everybody was discounted. I call it the Groupon effect. Everybody thought the only way that they were going to get asses and seats was to discount. And I'm like, you're not coming back from that. What you need to do is to have some pride in what you're offering. Yes. Stick to your guns. Do it well, man. And then yes. that person will pay. And then, you know, the, the odd person that comes in and looks at the menu and says, I'm not paying $26 for a Wagyu burger. Great. Great. They weren't your customer. But yeah. then all the people that are your customers, you're leaving money behind on the table. And that's one of the things when we come in too for engine, when we talk about engineering is you give me a menu and you tell me which items on the menu you cannot possibly go up on price because it's your loss leader or it's your hook or you've got people that come in religiously um, for yeah. that item every Tuesday. I'm like, no problem. We won't touch those. But the rest of the menu, we did some market research and you're $3 underpriced on your linguine. Your salmon is $5 under market or um, for the like models. We always tell people, increase your prices, yeah. but you, you can only pull it off if you're executing, right? Yeah. Kind of curious, do you have like a specific price range that you like the best in the restaurant space? Like, yeah, is there I, like a range I, you look at the, kind of the golden spot? Yeah, I think the sweet spot for most operators is, the, um, and now let's exclude booze because booze is such a weird game. Um, yeah. When I, I know it's like my brother and I will go out and we'll crush three bottles of wine over dinner and, you know, other people yeah. don't don't consume like that. Right. So I would <laughs> yeah, say, I, respect I would that. say, <laughs> I would say the, um, the sweet spot from what we've seen in terms of restaurants that are busy, that are successful. And when we get into the analytics, they're making money is that 35 to $45 range. People are like, you know what? Nice. I'm going out for dinner. I'm comfortable spending 30, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable spending up to $50 for a great meal. Right. And yeah. then if they want to get into big wines or cheap wines or martinis or whatever they want to do, that's a different story. Um, yeah. average, you know, you're trying to figure out that average per cap, but I think that we're seeing successful restaurants are in that sweet spot. And then here's the other thing is always have a value offering on the menu. So if someone comes in and they're price conscious, I don't want to lose them as a potential guest. I don't want to lose yeah. them as a walking word of mouth ambassador. So have some items on there that are price conscious and sensitive totally. to their audiences and then have some other ones on there that are for, for the guys that want to indulge. Right. For the yes. people that want to go out and say, listen, money's no object. I'm here for the experience and I've read about your chef and just bring it out. Like, oh, I yeah. love it when I, I go to restaurants and some guys go bring me one of everything. I'm like, fuck, yes. Like, yes. Like, right. But those guys are few and far between or those people are few and far between. No, but that's a good point. I was actually just going to bring that up, too. It's like I, I had this one business coach years ago we, we worked with and, and he was like, you want to have different offers for your company uh, and, and one insanely ridiculous offer where in the yeah. case that one person a year takes it, you make all that cash, right? Like, or it can be branded. Look at, you know, look at Hooters with their champagne and the hundred dollar wings, right? Cause you get a bottle of Dom. Yes. Right? And now, so you can have some that's fun. A, that's, that's, a, that's smart. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, think it's why not? brilliant. Uh, and actually I had a mentor as well. He says, listen, you can't be all things to all people, but don't alienate anybody. Right. So yes, I love that. You're in the hospitality industry. Your first job is to be welcoming and not make anyone uncomfortable. So I have I don't care what restaurant you're in. You could be in, you know, a, a Michelin star restaurant unless you're going there for that, you know, that prefix 18 course tasting meal at eight hundred dollars a person. But if it's just a generally everyday mainstream 
offering public or to offering to the public, you got to have some deals on there. You yeah. got to, you got to, like, not everybody's making money hand over fist, but if they are willing to come out and spend what they've earned with you, make it easy for them. Right. Yeah. Have you, um, I'm kind of curious. I don't know if they have, I don't know if they have any locations or not. Have you been to the uh, new Shret? You know, the, the salt Bay guy. The- no, 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 I won't go. I won't go. <laughs> <laughs> Why I, think, not? I think he's one of the donkeys, him and Guy Fieri, those two donkeys, <laughs> I think are ruining the restaurant industry, right? It is ridiculous. It, you know, yeah. like you, you go into one of those Fieri places, it's garbage food, it's calorie overdose, it's overpriced, it's just garbage, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and then when he's going to his, you know, I do like his diners and dives and stuff because you're getting to see some pretty cool guys that, you know, they've been around forever and they've been making a living, making a grilled cheese sandwich or the best brisket. But so I think that Guy Fieri is giving the wrong impression. He's, 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 he's polluting the waters and then <laughs> that other asshole i just don't like he is a celebrity he's not a restaurateur even though he has a background in butchery and stuff like that i just think he's a donkey and then if you read about all of his restaurants the number one complaint about them all is um the culture with working within them he treats oh, really? his people like yeah like he's got all kinds of lawsuits for withholding tips or you know not paying um oh my market God. rates um you know like he's all about he's all he's a kardashian of restaurants he he's, is he's famous that's, that's for being a, famous yeah that's a perfect way to describe him i mean so <laughs> i, I want to punch went... i want to punch him in the nose i swear <laughs> <laughs> So I, I actually, my ex-girlfriend last year surprised me and we went to his restaurant. Um, I had no idea that he even had a restaurant in LA. It was Beverly Hills. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, it just like, I think he opened it up last year. I don't know. I didn't even know it existed until I just popped up there and he yeah. was there and oh. I got, yeah, yeah. So I got to actually meet him. I got to like really see the experience. I don't think he speaks much English, by the way. Like he, he can't I don't know. really. I, I would. I wouldn't have much to talk to him about. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but what I'm getting at though, is I was, I could not believe at the menu. So <laughs> the pricing is embarrassing. Right? It is it's, it's absolutely insane. gouging. Like I, I hope the meal was good for your sake, but um, I also haven't heard yeah. many good things about the, you know, but like, Gold foil wrapped steaks at fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, yes. like, come on, man. That's what I was gonna come say. It, you can get you can get the ribeye and it's like five hundred, or you can get it gold wrapped for fifteen hundred. Yeah, it, but you know what? You can go to a Hillstone, or you can go to um, any one of these like McCormick and Schmicks or anything like that. You're gonna yeah. get a quality offering and yeah. a proper restaurant experience. To me, I that's love just, Hillstone, by the way. Yeah, I think they're one of the top operators in the game. Like they're one of the gold standards. But uh, mm. that that guy there, that's just a reality TV show. Is all those restaurants? <laughs> yeah. In my in my opinion, right? No, I think I think you're right. But I wanted to hear you say it because I, I had a feeling. But he is. He's the Kardashian of the restaurant space. Oh, it is insane. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. What do you What do you think right now? Are some of the opportunities that restaurants should be doing on to to grow their business? What are some of like the Maybe the new things you've seen that people just aren't taking advantage of where you're like, wait, why aren't they doing this? Well, social media for one, hiring for third sure. parties to do some actual campaigns and marketing, um, getting the website guy to actually, you know, set up the website so it's SEO optimized with the proper language. That's a huge one. That's a huge one yeah. right there. Yeah. Huge. Well, especially because like I travel a ton. And I'm, I'm always watching what people are doing as they're traveling. And a lot of the time it's in their airports and they're looking for restaurants or I hear them on the phone talking about it. the very first thing they do is restaurants near me. Right? Yes. On Google. All right. And then, so if the Google page isn't claimed or if you don't have, and then 
once they do go to a website, let's say you were lucky enough to get them there, is it optimized? Or when I'm writing, if I'm typing in steakhouses, please tell me that I come up before that other idiot, right? Yes. <laughs> in terms of rankings. Um, so I think that's marketing. Restaurateurs and hospitality operators have to get back into marketing. But that being said is the other opportunity is have your house in order. Like know what your brand is, know what your offerings are, know what that customer journey looks like with all the touch points along the way. And then you should be promoting all those things. You're using yeah. all that stuff once your brand is defined to, to tell the story to your, to your audiences, right? So I, I think that's the biggest opportunity. And then also, like I said, up your prices, streamline your offerings, right? Yeah. And, and here's another one. Learn to fucking use Spotify. <laughs> right? yeah. I'm so sick of listening to 21-year-old playlists, you know, because they got their they're the I only agree. ones you're like in their phone and, and they're the only ones not a or else you go to a restaurant and if you're there long enough because it's a great experience, food is good, everything's clicking. And all of a sudden, like, have we heard the song three times since we've been here? Like this it's is a good one point. three. Actually, yeah. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned this on the podcast. This is a really, a really strong point. Well, what the hell? So, everyone always talks about experience once again, and they don't know how to define the experience or it's just an abused term. And then there's atmosphere that used to be like, Hey, this place has got this vibe or it's got this atmosphere. Yes. Um, and if you go in and you're listening to, I don't know, Ozzy Osbourne, which I love, but if you're listening to that in a steakhouse, like, you know, it's almost like the kitchen guys plugged into the system and, yes. listening, you know, and it doesn't fit the brand. It doesn't fit what the intended experience was or, if you hear the same playlist on this, because if you go to, let's say you're in town and you're in the lobby, lobby bar of a hotel and you go there four nights in a row for your entire stay and have a little nightcap or whatever, do your computer work. Yeah. If you're hearing the same playlist every night, it's like, come on, you guys, like Spotify will do the work for you, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. All you got to do is plug point. in. Three. Yeah. So that to me is just as important as where the lights are at. You know, whether I'm sitting in table 45 in the corner and that's where all the AC drops. Um, so I'm freezing my ass off. Yeah. But those, those things matter to the experience 100%. overall. So I hope people are listening to this and thinking, oh, God damn it, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> As operators, um, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. And then I guess, you know, you, you got obviously tons of experience, which is fantastic. And, and obviously that's what who's, that's what's made you the person you are today and in this industry, which is fantastic. But how do you on a daily basis today get better every day? Uh, any books you read, other podcasts you follow? How do you get better on a regular basis? I consume voraciously. So as many different podcasts as like, you know, because I'm always in the airports. I always got time to listen. You know, just yeah. before bed, I'm, you know, I'm scrolling through TikTok to see what guys are making in terms of recipes. Yes. And I love TikTok because they've only got a minute to, to three minutes. And so I'm seeing good recipes yeah. that are done simple and done for the, because we all know there's a deficit of talent in the marketplace. And yes. one of the shit things from COVID was the, how the media beat up the hospitality industry, making it sound like it was the absolute worst prison sentence of life, you know, of, of a job to work in. So yeah. there's not a lot of people entering the arena, right? So there are all those issues is, um, anyways, so I, yeah, I consume voraciously through TikTok, through nice. news feeds, through podcasts. And then I'm all, always, whenever I'm in the airports, I'm grabbing a book on better management skills, better marketing skills, like whatever's nice. out there for whatever industry, because a lot of it's applicable in all industries, right? Any, any specific books you recommend? Oh, there's one I just finished reading. Um, it was about Dis the Disney Institute or the Disney way of doing things. I'd have to, I don't know the name of the book right off the top of my head. It should, it's in my suitcase. Got but uh, almost any book put out about the Disney methodology is 
insane and on point for hospitality operators. I love that. I love that. I'll have to check it out. Well, that's I, actually one of, the, one of the blogs I subscribe to. It's one of my favorite is I, I find that the, the restaurant industry, for the most part, the big publications and the big blogs and so forth, I find it's just generic sponsored ads. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's not giving me a lot of insight other yeah. than, hey, this is the newest, you know, Sweet Greens is the number one, you know, fast food operation that's growing is subscribing to um, the Disney Institute um, blog. They're telling you, hey, here's how guests are thinking and here's how we're changing our methodology and here's good management and here's how we develop culture. And like, it's, it's, it's insightful. There's things to oh, be learned. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. I love it, man. And I guess um, if you could step into my shoes right now, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't already? You know, you, you covered some good stuff there about what's going on in the market, <laughs> what's trends with the, and I know what I like to do. You're also very consumer driven or guest driven, right? The consumer, I always think is when I think of social media, and then once I get them into the restaurant there, we've converted them into a guest, right? And hopefully we convert them into an ambassador. 100%. But, uh, I think that you nailed it there. And I wish I would have thought of that as a talking point that knowing, knowing who your audience is and knowing how to talk to them and, and beyond the old cliched marketing, Oh, here's Brett. He's 35 years old and he uses Apple and he likes to wear Nikes. And it's like, no, 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 here's yeah. Brett. He likes to go out to this type of restaurant and, and he's our target customer. And we want to give him this experience. And we think that he's willing to pay this much for that experience, but we need to have this, this, and this on the menu. And we need to have our music sound like this. <laughs> yes. And, we, and, and, and when we reach Brett through whatever, we reach him through TikTok, we reach him through LinkedIn, like whatever your strategy is. But I think that it's you nailed that. I wish I would have thought of that in the beginning is thinking more about not profiling, but really understanding who your audience no, is. No, I think yeah, customer personas, customer avatars are huge. I mean, we use yeah. that at our company a lot. I got I got three and it's it's a very strong point and it's something that restaurateurs always struggle with to actually come up with. People don't really understand it. The reason it's so important, I've always mentioned to our clients is like, look, it doesn't just help you create a marketing message that speaks to them because you're actually really getting detail on who they are and what's yeah. assigned to them and how we can talk to them. But you're also potentially helping your staff understand who your customer is and how yes. to speak to them, right? And you yeah. can talk about these ideal customers of yours offline so that when you're, uh, so that when, when someone walks in and they meet your staff and your staff's like, that's that guy in the avatar. Now I know how to speak to him, connect with that them is and whatever. That is our key customer, right? That that's our guy. Yeah. So let's, yes. let's give him, let's give him our experience, right? Rather than yes. trying to be all things to all people. And I'd actually go one step further than that. And this is a, an old school uh, marketing kind of a practice. And I, I still apply it when we're doing master plans and concepts is in addition to your persona customer, the profile and the persona of your customer, what, what's your archetype? Like, what are you, who are you? What's your personality mm. so that, you know, they know how to talk to you. They know what you're about, what you stand for, how to define you. Right. So I, I like the, I love the archetype persona connection. Like who are you, who are you talking to and how does that dialogue happen? Like, and how does it sound? Right. Well, hundred percent, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I guess for anyone who's listening and that's interested in learning more about you, Travis, how, how can they find you online, by the way? Well, they can always just do a Google search for, I use the, uh, you know, the Google machine and for Travis T-Bone <laughs> Talbot and you'll come up everywhere. Um, and then right now, like I said, our, our, our one company that's launched and up and running is hospitalityarts.group. And then at the end of this month, we're going to have TTX Experiment, which is the Travis Talbot Experiment. And it's oh, basically 
it's basically my you know joe rogan meets anthony bourdain meets bill murray uh kind of stories and then all of our brands and all of our click-throughs all of our businesses will be there right that's awesome i'll have to check it out um what i'll do for this podcast is i'll push your I'll, I'll make sure i put all those links at the bottom of this so awesome. people want to check awesome. it out we can go from there um but travis appreciate your time today man that was awesome i think everyone who listened got a ton of insightful information uh again appreciate your time and uh looking forward to chatting again soon all right brett thanks a lot i appreciate that you having me on it was a good time Absolutely, man. See you around. All right. Take peace out. See ya.